going till the first rays are done. Keeping it on till the day stays strong. Rolling till the nighttime blaze is on. All along, I keep singing my song. I say, this phase is always. Sometimes I get so crazy. But just know that I always stay. Cause you're my light through the haze. It's time for a champion. To the soul of the land. And the heart from the sea and sand. Till the sun comes up again. For a champion to the soul of the land And the heart from the sea and the sand Till the sun comes up again Sports sky, keep your eye on the prize Forever in my mind, be my golden sunshine It's waiting in your mind, so push them clouds aside Forever by my side, from my Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic, And we got some more Giants camp recaps. We've been at the last practices. We have Ryan Dunleavy on, uh, coming on later. We talked about Saquon, Darren Walt. We just talked about Giants and the receiving core, which I think is becoming a more and more interesting conversation. Yeah. And we got uh, we got some the popping pads, O-line versus D-line, one-on-one. So I want to talk about the trenches. But, Justin, I think the thing that is like on all of our minds is that Jalen Hyatt is just starting to pop off. Like, he is every day popping off. Like, he's had two deep touchdowns from Tyrod Taylor, two deep touchdowns from Daniel Jones, and you are seeing why, hey, this he didn't just score at Tennessee because of the offense. It helped, but the main reason he won the wide receiver of the year award is because he can truly just run past anybody. And Jalen Hyatt's role so far this training camp is exactly what, in a perfect Giants world, what we wanted it to be and what we thought it would be. Except when things work out as perfectly as planned and as perfectly as we think, that's kind of awesome. So that's definitely worth worth celebrating. It's not even like Jalen Hyatt is, I think he's, you know, this tremendous route runner and he's showing that so far through camp. But everything that we've seen Jalen Hyatt do, which is every time that he has been asked in a 7-on-7 or 11-on-11 to just go deep and burn dudes, he's burning everyone. And it's so fun, and it's so impressive, and it's so cool. Yeah, he's consistently able to like get that separation. You know, there was a touchdown on Thursday where he's got he's in the slot, which he's been mostly on the outside. He even talked about that in his press conference. Like, I, yeah, I'm an outside wide receiver here. Even though like he was mostly in the slot at Tennessee, and people thought he's a slot receiver. No, he's an outside wide receiver in the NFL. And but they put him in the slot, and he goes up the seam. Which how how long has it been since the new and it's the training camp? So we still haven't seen it. But how long has it been since we've seen someone go up the seam and get the ball deep? And he beats the nickel corner, and then splits Xavier McKinney and DJ. It was it was like a game atmosphere almost because we see him live beat him, and then the next thought that goes through everyone's head is Daniel Jones. Are you going to throw this to him? Because like we <laughs> we haven't seen Daniel Jones throw the slot seam. We've seen slot fades, but not the slot seam. He throws it, and then that ball felt like it was in the air for 10 minutes, and it just drops right into the 50 bucket. 50-yard bomb. Yeah, right into the bucket that Jalen Hyatt for a touchdown over McKinney and Darnay Holmes. So for those who weren't there, first of all, you know, Giants put out a, a nice little video of it kind of following and following and keyframing the ball throughout the air. But it felt like watching it, remember John Ross 2021 against the Saints? where it's just, It was like it felt like the same exact throw of – Two guys were draped onto the back of John Ross, and it just fell perfectly 
into Jalen Hyatt's hands where it was Darnay Holmes trailing and then also, you know, Darnay Holmes in the slot. Jalen Hyatt was lined up in the slot that play. And then also Xavier McKinney was trailing. And they were right there, man. They were really right there, except it falls right into the breadbasket of Jalen Hyatt. He gets enough separation where he can kind of complete the catch and complete the play. And it's a touchdown Giants. And I, 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 my immediate reaction was as soon as touchdown Hyatt catch, I like had to take off my glasses because I'm like, did I just see what I saw? Yeah. It was it was it was electric. And then on eleven on eleven, you know, he runs a, a post uh, versus Trey Hawkins touchdown. Yep. You know, and then be, before he was getting as much first team, like now he's basically only getting reps with the ones. He gets uh, a couple with, the, with twos. the twos, but he's getting his reps with the ones. Like he when he was with Tyrod Taylor, it was like two days in a row where he just goes up the middle of the field. Tyrod Taylor uh, puts it out there for him. He goes and gets a touchdown. Um, so, with this weird jumbled wide receiver room coming into the camp, is like, all right, well, what's this guy's role? Like, we know we know Hodgins, Campbell, and Slayton are the projected starters, but what is Shepard's role? What is Hyatt's role? And you can see, like, okay, Hyatt is they they have a role for him, and it's to create big plays as he gets uh, rounds out the rest of his game, and which he still needs to do. Yeah, but he like speed, speed, speed is valuable. That's why I even saw Darius Slayton, who's still a flawed wide receiver, have the impact that he did as a rookie because like that speed is just it's the thing that matters the most when it comes to playing wide receiver. So I'm excited to see him like continue to grow, hopefully get some, you know, opportunities in the preseason to to try some of that stuff. And then as we get to Dallas week one, like how how involved will Jalen Hyatt be? Yeah. Um and just with that personal group personal grouping frequency that we saw there have even been some plays where I've seen Darius Slayton line up in the slot. So I think we're, we may see that a little bit more this year where, you know, if you have Paris Campbell, who has outside-inside versatility, you can have a, a, a formation with Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, Jalen Hyatt, which I, if I were to say, if, if this team has like a NASCAR formation, Bobby, on offense, it would be... Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, and, like, Darren Waller, right? Like, that's yeah. your 11 personnel. That's, like, your NASCAR. That's your speed package, right? I could see a play where either Hyatt in the slot, Slayton in the slot, because they've done that. They've tinkered with that a few times in camp because Campbell does have that outside-inside versatility. Campbell did not practice on Thursday. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully it's just, like, a maintenance day for and, him. And I do want to talk about that a little bit, too. But even, like, so – Hyatt still has some work to do on the regular, you know, the regular parts of your route tree yes. where you're not running past. And we've seen him struggle to get separation on a lot of those. But here's the difference between Hyatt and a lot of guys who fit his like type is Hyatt is a great hands catcher and he's shown strong hands. You know, there was that uh, that route on the smash concept that we had a couple of days ago where he snags. I mean, he rips that ball. It was the out whole of, shot throw, right? Yeah, the whole shot throw where he just rips that ball out of the air. You know, we've seen plays where guys are draped on his back on like skinny posts or you know a square in, and he's just making those tough catches. Even though like that's not like like he's a speed guy, but he makes those tough catches. So that like when if he does figure out like all the nuances of route running, it's like man, this is a this is a deadly type of player. And even before then, it's like this guy's very useful for an offense that's looking to create explosives. Like they they went into they went into the combine and free agency and everyone knew, talking about the New York Giants, they are adamantly working to become a more explosive offense. And I think that flows into Daniel Jones as well, too. We've seen him take the shots this this camp. 
yeah. where last year we didn't. And an offense that in last year's camp, that was trying to be explosive. They weren't running the offense that they were running through the uh, season in camp last year. They were trying to create explosives. This year we've seen Slayton get a couple big ones. Paris Campbell the other day got two big, uh, deep passes thrown to him. Even Isaiah Hodges, even though he hasn't like uh, brought them in, has been thrown some contested deep situations. Waller has gotten those opportunities, and obviously Jalen Hyatt as of late. So this offense is going to make a real effort to be more explosive. And they need to. Yeah. They they were dead last in it last year. And, you know, I've done all my work over the years on, you know, if you're, I think this is on the top of my brain. Last year, if you were top 10 in explosive plays, you had a, like your winning percentage was 63%. I, I, I haven't found through the last three years of me doing this football analysis thing that I that I'm you know that I'm paid to do I haven't found a stat that is more correlated to wins and losses than explosive play rate and specifically explosive pass rate I mean it's it's literally 63 percent that if you finish in the top 10 um, that's like your you know that's your winning percentage so um, and they were dead and it's and it's so impressive on what the Giants did last year because they were dead last in that regard and again to cap off Hyatt the fact that like, his role and what he's doing, it's exactly what we thought it would be. It's exactly what we wanted it to be. And it's so nice to see things kind of work out like in the ideal scenario. Yeah. Before we get into the rest of this uh, podcast, this is yeah. brought to you by some special people. Patrick McGovern. That's mm. Connor McGovern's brother, who's a center who actually starts uh, in New York. Wow. Just Frankie, regular old Frankie. Bill. Uh, I actually picked up Bill from the airport the other day. Jay Mack. J-Mac, no matter what. And then Kaz Pierce, who's Antonio Pierce's brother, Justin. Who are these people as Jake crawls under the desk? Wow, Jake. They went to patreon.com slash talk giants. And for $2 a month plus some other tiers, you get to hang out with us live while we record walk. the shows. Yeah, okay, hey, Jake. Hey, Shiner, weird, huh? Go to patreon.com slash talk giants. Um, Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers when he's back in Florida. Um, plus, there's, uh, I said, shirt raffles. So you know the drill. Thanks for Jake for, for crawling. I love that. I would never be able to crawl and be a, that athletic. Patreon.com slash talk giants. Other wide receiver stuff. Paris Campbell took um, what he said was a maintenance stay on Thursday. Supposedly, he, he did has say that. arthritis in the knee. And it's something that's, that's... kind of newer. And they're, they're trying to stay on top of it, which is worrisome for Paris Campbell. But I don't want to I don't want to do a deep dive on injuries with Paris Campbell yeah. right now until there's an injury. But what was interesting is with Paris Campbell out. He said that? Yeah. <sighs> Cole Beasley is the backup slot wide receiver. Like, not in, like, battles with it. Like, Cole Beasley got all of the reps at slot wide receiver. I don't even think that's for, interesting. Who, who else would it be? Sterling Shepard. But we know he's a 70... Th- we know that he's an outside receiver. But Sterling Shepard plays the slot really well. He's been... They're a, using him as at the outside, but he plays the slot really okay. well. Okay, yeah, I, I just don't... And I know a lot of people are maybe surprised to hear that Cole Beasley has made it clear, but I, I, I don't think that is surprising. Like, Sterling Shepard's an outside receiver, and he's been an outside receiver even after Golden Tate leaves in, like, 2019. Well, they put him in the slot to start... Like, he was a slot in 2021 when you got Galladay and Slayton, um, and even... He plays a lot in the slot. But Sterling Shepard's a better player than Cole Beasley, uh, I think he can perform in the slot better than Cole Beasley at this point of their careers. But Beasley is like, he is the backup guy. And even after practice, like the two people Jones was working with after practice was Beasley and Crowder. And Shepard's really not getting any first team to run at all. But it's 
you know, there was does Beasley make this team when he got signed? Camp body? No, he is. He's truly like they rotated him in him in already, and now he is like getting all of the back of slot reps. And if Paris Campbell gets injured, which guess what, he's done the majority of his career. Well, we are now looking at a guy who is getting a lot of playing time for the New yep. York Giants and Cole Beasley, who you know doesn't have the speed and the burst that Paris Campbell has. Doesn't have anywhere close to that, but he does have you know the short area quickness and the ability to like that ability to work those option routes really well. But it does. I mean, you do, if you lose Paris Campbell in the slot, you are taking away uh, some of what this offense can do. Oh, for sure, for sure. But already, even if Paris Campbell is healthy and he's in the lineup, I already think that we're going to see a good amount of of Cole Beasley, like in short yard situations, red zone packages. And we've talked about that as the weeks have kind of gone on in camp. So even when Cole Beasley is here, like uh, even when Paris Campbell is healthy, Cole Beasley, I think, has a very clear role for this Giants offense. But I, I, I figured that if with a day with Campbell out, they would try and work Shepard in. And he's been almost solely with the second team besides yep. a rep here or there with the first team. And he is, he's been only, he's been only there. And uh, Trey Hawkins actually had a, a pass broke up to him on the sideline today. Uh, I'm I, this is tough for Shep. He's only been back from a major injury for a week, but it, it hasn't looked awesome. It's that that's a tough sentence to say, and I and I trust that he's still good, and I trust that he's gonna as camp gets on, he, he's gonna he's gonna get better and everything like that. But it's it's been a rough like Cole Beasley has looked better than certainly Shepard so far this camp. We also haven't seen Shep in the slot though, which right. is where I think he can be more. If if Shep has slowed down a little bit, when you talk about outside inside, well then he needs to go to the inside, okay? Because that's how he can prolong his career and yep. be more successful in the NFL. Because he can still do all the things that that you need to do in the slot, and all, and I truly do believe better than Cole Beasley. Yep. Like I don't, I, 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 he's coming back from. I a mean, major I hope injury. to God that's not a hot take that he's better than Cole Beasley. You know, when health, I mean, one year ago the player that he was would probably be the best wide receiver on this team right. unless Jalen Hyatt pops off. Right, right, for sure. Um, so other offensive stuff, offensive line. We finally got to see some one on one drills. And obviously all the focus was on Evan Neal, and they only got two reps, and I, and I did a film breakdown on this. Uh, there's some positives and negatives. I think the positive is that he does look better. He's getting out of his stance quicker. He looks like a more calm, cool, and collected player. But there, he doesn't look like Andrew Thomas looked at the start of year two, where it's like, oh, this guy is just a really, really good pass-protecting tackle. You know, where Thomas was – I mean, Thomas was like – a. A elite pass protector in his year too. Neil doesn't look at that point, and we also see when they are working eleven on eleven when he looks as be- looks his best. Like he's not getting blown up, he's not getting made to look silly, which is huge improvement from last year. Uh, but they're also not able to like finish plays at the quarterback. And there is a couple times where I'm like, maybe Aziz bends the edge and gets gets to the quarterback on this play if it were live. Maybe he's able to work uh, to the inside, but. Uh, he definitely looks better, and that's encouraging. I, we're going to need to see game reps before you make any final conclusions, but there, it's noticeable that Evan Neal is a quicker player, a more confident player in year two. Yeah, getting out of his stance, getting to his landmarks, um, and even when he finishes some, like, you know, during the one day of full pads that we have seen and the 1v1 reps, a little pep in his step after the play, which is cool. I mean, I, the coaching staff, it's their job to defend the players and all that kind of stuff and all that jazz, but... You can't tell me that, knowing who Evan Neal is as a player, that it got in his head a little bit. 
you know, it got in his head that he's struggling and he wanted to be right. He wanted to get right. It was a new, it, new offense and, you know, new, you know, setting differently with Bobby Johnson and going from left tackle to right tackle. So he's finally settled at right tackle the first time since maybe high school that he's played um, the same position two years in a row. So Evan Neal looking better, getting out of stance, getting his, getting to his landmarks. That's the thing that he struggled with most last year. And he's looking all right so far in camp. Correction. Tendonitis with Paris Campbell, not arthritis. Okay. I, that was arthritis. Like I, I, I that. Really I got my itis is. Uh, you got your itis. Thank you to Research Rick in the chat who, uh, who uh, corrected me. Ten, tendonitis in the knee, not not arthritis. Um, can we talk about right guard, please? Yes, let's talk about right guard. So we went into this camp being like, they're not going to take that job away from Glowinski because I mean everything we had heard out of OTAs and stuff, and just human nature of like they signed this guy, they're not going to take away this vet's job. Was that, A, they're going to work Bredesen and Azudu and John Michael Smith at center and guard. And through five days of camp, we basically saw that. Where it was John Michael Smith and Ben Bredesen at center, and then Azudu and Ben Bredesen at left guard. Like, for, through five days of camp, that's what we saw. You saw him get, Ben Bredesen get a right guard rep for the backups here and there, but it was very little. Uh, the last two days, they have rotated Ben Bredesen in that right guard. And then on Thursday, day seven... He was the starter at right guard the entire practice. The entire from beginning to end, he was the starter. And Mark Lewinsky from beginning to end was the backup right guard. And Zuda was at left guard. When they were going through walkthrough installs, Mark Lewinsky was the second team. Ben Bredesen's with the first team. And then when you go watch one on ones, which interior guy looked the best? It was Ben Bredesen by a good amount. You know, and that was against backups because at that time he was working with the twos. But he did look the best, and we saw last year him be the best on the interior for them last year, uh, specifically as a pass protector. To where I didn't think this would happen, but at day seven, you're starting to, like, things are starting to play out. Like, John Michael Smith, he's the starting center now. There's no debate about that. Jason, Jason Pinnock, he's the starting safety now. There's really no debate about that. Linebacker's still in the uh, in the air. This this interior offensive line is still in the air. But, like, most of the other – and nickel corner is kind of, but I, I still think it's going to flop, but we'll talk about that. Um, but, like, to day seven, to yank out Mark Owinski, a veteran, and put him in the second team at Ben Bredesen at right guard, I don't think you do that just to cross-train. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going to go. The first six days of camp, it felt like, all right, Ben Bredesen – going at left guard. All right, Ben Bredesen at center of the series. All right, Ben Bredesen at right guard. And it would literally be first team. Like, Ben Bredesen has gotten reps at left guard, center, and right guard throughout the first six days um, with the first team, all three of those positions. Ben Bredesen was still on the third team today, except he was at center. So he's still cross-training, but this felt different since there was not the rotation of Glowinski going in, uh, Bredesen coming out or Bredesen going in for Azudu, Azudu coming out. They ran with the same five all day on Thursday, it was, and, and, it, and it feels different. It was the first time that Mark Lewinsky didn't start the day at right guard. And, then we, and this is coming off of the day six practice on Tuesday where they finished the day with Bredesen at right guard. So maybe there was something that Bobby Johnson kind of like got to his wits end and like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make this change. So when we show up on on Friday morning, when you guys are listening to this podcast, my eyes are peeled. How do they roll out that offense? They're going to be line? in full pads because right? if Ben Bredesen rolls out with it Friday morning, like you said, in full pads, 
then damn, we might have the lineup that we kind of said rightful is the lineup you should want. Janice yep. at center, Azudu at left guard, and Ben Bredesen at right guard. And maybe what it took was, hey, Azudu and Bredesen both look noticeably better than Mark Lewinsky in camp. Uh, and we, you know, maybe they they seen the growth that they want in Zudu. We're like, okay, we don't need to put you in a, a battle with Ben Bredesen. So I, I hope that's what happens, and I, I'm going to have my eyes peeled out for it. And credit to this coaching staff, um, because despite Mark Lewinsky having their first, like, not big signing, but their first, like, contract of note. Yeah, I mean, you know, despite Lewinsky having an $8 million cap hit this year, now they can't cut him. It would be, it would basically be $8.6 million in, in dead cap, and, you're, and there are no cap savings. So you're yeah. They were. I mean, no. I mean, there's no need to cut them anyways. You need depth. Backups. Right. You do. You do need depth. But I mean, credit to this. You know, I don't want to. You know, we'll we'll see how the summer develops and everything like that. But you know, I I even said this yesterday about like you know Trey Hawkins. You know, Trey Hawkins, and you know if there's a little bit of a position battle there for for outside corner. Um, credit to this regime for and this coaching staff for even though these are. This is a guy that you brought in last year, and Ben Bredesen is not one of their guys. They they did keep him, um, but he was like a Gettleman guy that Gettleman I mean, he started out for. with the third team last camp. Yeah, uh, credit to him for playing the best guys because right now it looks like Azudu and Bredesen are better than Glowinski. Um, like I said, we'll see how camp develops, but this is a cool, good sign as of right now. We want to talk about the defense first? Why don't you talk to us about Factor? I'll talk to you about Factor, and oh boy, like. We have long days of training camp, you know, especially if we're, you know, we're recording with some beat reporters after practice, and then, you know, we're coming back here, and we're live streaming, and then, guess what, we're going to take about a half an hour and gather our notes and gather our thoughts and do whatever we need to do, and then we're going to end recording, and I'm going to edit the episode. So these are long days where sometimes I'm out of the house from, you know, 7 a.m. to 8 o'clock at night, 8.30 p.m., and you want to know what, when I get home, the last thing that I want to do is cook a meal but with factor because i just placed a whole other order of factor when i use code giants 50 i actually got 50 percent off my entire order which is crazy so i have a, a whole bunch of factor meals throw it in the microwave and they're good yeah, they're and really i good. and i like savor them and they're like awesome when i say factor has changed my life factor really has i want you to head to factormeals.com slash giants 50 and use code giants 50 to get 50 percent off that's code giants 50 at factormeals.com slash giants 50 to get 50 percent off bobby skinner you'll be glad you did and it's very portion controlled it's good food chickens I meats love their chicken vegetables and like goat cheese thing. yeah it's I, awesome I really like that factor all right the defensive side not as fun because the offense has obviously been better than the Giants offense so far and, and really really the only time the defense has looked good is when they're blitzing when they're <laughs> blitzing and sending these pressures and you're getting free rushes but it's not much like beating the guy in front of you happening from the defense yeah um and usually when it is it's freaking Trey Hawkins um you're a six-round rookie but what I think is the most discouraging thing from defense Really, more so than anything else, maybe like the only true discouraging thing because defense we kind of talk about individual players more so than team in, in a camp uh, atmosphere. Nickel corner is not a f- fun position battle. Like, no. first of all, because they want to play Trey Hawkins, they are giving Adore Jackson nickel corner reps. You know, like they're trying that out, and I and we'll, let's, let's talk about that. But they're trying that out. But they're not like no one. Those nickel corners have just like like okay, 
you're going to go out there and start with the three. So let's talk about the Adore nickel corner thing because I think that's been a conversation. Week one versus the Dallas Cowboys. Makes sense. It makes sense because you're playing CeeDee Lamb. When you're playing the Rams, it makes sense because you're going up against Cooper Cup. But the idea of just like, oh, well, you want to get the three best players out there, sounds good. Guess what? I want Adore Jackson, our best cornerback, covering the best wide receivers in the NFL. I mean, when we play the Eagles, do we want uh, two rookie corners covering A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? Like when we play whoever, like teams that the commanders, like you, you want yeah. you want a rookie covering Terry McLaurin while Adore Jackson's going to cover slim. Jahan Dotson's good, but he's also like slow. You know, I don't I don't need that. It's yeah, it's Adore needs to be on the best wide receivers, and then yeah. all but three games this year and two against the same team, the best wide receivers line up on the outside. Obviously, you're going to do different formations within a game, but Adore should not be there. Quote unquote, he shouldn't be having the Nick the Darnay Holmes role that there was last year. No, when you like obviously matchups and you try different things and you do different things against different formations, but you're the nickel corner is a defined role in defense. Adore Jackson shouldn't be in that defined role. Cordell Flott is the one I still think should be in it, but Cordell Flott has not really been impressive, impressing me since day two. He's been getting beat and a lot of times against second stringers, and then Darnay Holmes, who was that. Over the last couple of days, it has gotten some third string reps, and then he he's gets back, beat like, the first team on consistently. Thursday. Gets beat consistently, and it's just right now there's no fun or good option right there at nickel corner. Like where I wasn't taking Nick McLeod seriously, maybe maybe he should be the nickel corner. Maybe they should like uh, get him out of that safety situations and play him in nickel corner because they have him look really good at that deep safety, anyways. But maybe it's time to put Nick McLeod at nickel corner because right now. Like, Flaught, there's still, you know, you still have hope for Flaught, and Flaught should be the starter right now, but he has not came out here and pressed, and in his training camp, but guys should be able to stand out the way guys like Trey Hawkins have. You know, and now I'm even at the point of, I need a Hail Mary, and I want Aaron Robinson. <laughs> I need Aaron Robinson back on this practice field, too, to, to, to compete for this, and Aaron Robinson's been a guy that's never been able to stay healthy in his entire NFL career. And we're looking at, like, he suffered his injury almost a year ago, and he's still running on the side and practicing on the side and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, it's not great. It's it's not a great spot right now. And I hope that I'm trusting that right now we're on day seven going into day eight of camp. I'm trusting that putting Adore Jackson in the slot is simply we want Troy Hawkins to get Reps with the first team, and and we want to see what we got in this guy. And Trey Hawkins has only practiced with the first team the last few days. Right. And part of it has been putting a door in the slot, but the majority of it has been giving a door a rest. Like, I know it's something we're talking about, but majority of Trey Hawkins' first team snaps have come at a Jackson not participating less right. so in the slot. Right. So kind of, even it, Thursday. It lines, it lines up with what we're, ta- what we, what we're saying. Yeah. But most of it is, and Adore should get the type of rest. You know, he's a proven vet in this league who's got an injury history. Yeah. I don't need to overwork him. But it is like, so with Trey Hawkins, we said this on the live stream uh, the other day, is that we were wondering, like, how serious do we take Trey, take Trey Hawkins? Well, the coaching staff is taking him serious because for three, three straight practices, the guy has not taken a rep outside of the first team. Yep. And he's been one of the most competitive players in camp. Not just good for a rookie, not just one of the most competitive rookies, not just a good story. Trey Hawkins has been one of the most competitive and consistent players throughout this entire Giants camp so far. Would you agree? I mean, on defense, uh, who on the first team defense has stood out more than Trey Hawkins? And even when he gets beat, it's not gone. bad. Adore, you yeah. know, 
Adore's gotten beat on plays. Like, why do you think Darius Slayton's got, gotten a lot of catches? Mm-hmm. Adore's gotten beat. Now, the pass, Dexter Lawrence probably would be, but it's hard to see kind of that yeah, stuff. They've and, had one day of full pits. Yeah. Um, and you're not hitting the quarterback, and they're yeah, not running the ball. Yeah, so, I, I mean, Trey Hawkins has stood stood out really well. Uh, Banks hasn't been targeted the last couple of days. It's, I would like, love to go back and watch film and see exactly how he's doing, but not being targeted is a hell of a lot better progress than, than being, what he was doing the first picked couple on days. The first yeah. four, uh, four or five practices of yep. Giants camp. Absolutely. So I'm at, I'm at a point with the whole, I, I know it's kind of a hot topic right now, and I can get pretty hot about it if you get me going, but I hope right now we're just at the early part of camp where they want to see what Trey Hawkins has. They, they want Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks getting first team reps at the same time while also they want Adoree Jackson out there for at least a portion of practice. So that's the lineup that they're that they're going with. And hey, you know, if they are playing Cooper Cup, if they are playing CeeDee Lamb, that kind of lineup and configuration with Adoree in the slot and then the two guys on the outside, yeah. that is an option that they can go to. Mm-hmm. I am trusting this coaching staff that that is not the option that they will be going with and they're banking on this year. Yeah, I, I, I like, I, hey, I would be excited to see that trio but like like we in said, the right situation. while they are doing a Dory Jackson the slot, the majority of it is not a Dory Jackson the slot. The majority right. of Trey Hawkins snaps are a Dory Jackson getting uh, getting rest. Yeah, um, Aaron Robinson. I can't believe I'm the hell Mary for Aaron Robinson to get back and try and compete. But do, do you have anything? Yeah, do you have anything else before we get into the interview? Um, swing tackle and edge edge depth is a concern for me right now. I know it's that it's a you know this is a very twenty five minute point. Um, 25 minute point of the pod point, but the fact that Wink has been blitzing so much, it's 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 frustrating for us. I'm I'm confident the coaching staff is continuing to evaluate these guys and they have an opinion on them, but it's frustrating just a little bit for us because I'm trying to watch the edge rushers, even just the the ones and the twos. Uh, I'm trying to evaluate Tyree Phillips this summer and Matt Pear, and also can anybody you know between O'Shane Zimenez, Timon Fox, uh, Baldonado, the UDFA at a pit. You know, are, are they going to, is anybody going to do anything? Is anybody going to stand out? And, you know, the edge depth outside of Aziz and Kayvon, it was a concern kind of coming into the summer and nobody has really stood also, out. Also, Jihad Ward is injured. He hasn't he practiced injured. since the first practice or the second practice. Right. I don't know what the extent of the injury. I mean, he's out there. He's out there, you know. Yeah, like he was in. He was participating around. in individuals even during Thursday's practice. But he though. hasn't taken a team drill rep. Correct. And so there's some type of injury that Jihad Ward is dealing with. Yeah. Also, Tyree Phillips is, who I thought was the clear in a way showing tackle coming in the camp has had a pretty bad game. Yeah, and it's tough to evaluate those players when plays are some plays are ending so quickly with nickel blitz, nickel corner blitzes and safety blitzes that quarterbacks are therefore scrambling, and then it's like, well, the well these tackles and edge rushers don't even get a chance to finish their plays. So it's a it's a little frustrating from that standpoint. But I I and I also need I need Ashawn Robinson to get out there too. Yeah, because the interior defense alignment room looks a lot different when when he's not out there. But I think Dan Duggan said that out of all the guys like that are still on pup, that Ashawn Robinson's like the closest to being ready to rock and roll. Real deal. Um, what do I got? We got Seeky. That's it. Need to see O line D line stuff over the final two days when we're in New Jersey. Yep. We're going to Detroit next week. Yep. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you know, uh, if you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. Mm. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including sports, concerts, festivals, and more. They always want to make sure you are getting a good deal. So when you are on the app, look for the green dots. Green means good. 
Red means bad. Pretty simple, right? People figure it out. Every ticket is backed by their buying guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. Wow. Mm. We appreciate that. We've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Click the link in the description to download the app. You'll be glad you did. Before we get into the interview. Yeah. Should we... Announced that we're canceling the watch party before yeah. or after the interview. I forgot. I totally forgot about that. No, well, you just you just announced it now. Um, well, we could talk about. It. We could announce it now and then talk about it after. Let's talk about it after. We're canning the watch party. Yeah, you will get your money back. We'll talk. Yes. <laughs> well, you no, you don't. Not yes. You will get your money back if you did, if you did get it. Here's here's Ryan. Dunleavy. Here's Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. All right, we now welcome on to the program Tony Award front leader, front runner, official New York Post writer Ryan Dunleavy. Ryan, how you doing, my man? Uh, I'm flattered. I'm flattered. To- first time on the van. First time meeting us. The first time you met us is just hey, get in the van. Get right there in the middle. Yeah, the two strangers who offered me candy. Mm-hmm. I got. I got in the van. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, mom. We actually had, I know we want to get into this interview, we had some guy uh, walking past us and he made the joke to his kid, like, don't get in their van, kid. And <laughs> then his kid's like, my dad listens to you in the shower. So it was like a nice, like, all right, you got a jab at us. We got a jab. Your kid gave us a jab back at you. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I'm a listener. So uh, I actually saw you guys the other day on the sideline, but you snubbed me. So. Oh, no. Excuse me. to get the sign in the back. All right. All right. So. What does that say? It's you'll see it you'll see it on Twitter. Okay. Um, is it another Saquon? Uh, my girlfriend will get back with me. Well, sign? we figured Something Saquon's like a little hard to get. We we're going after Chris Myrick with our sign. Oh, okay. All right, so <laughs> we're recording this a couple of days before this actually goes out. So I, I want to talk less about practice and more about you've been on top of the Saquon Barkley stuff from the from the get go. Obviously, you've been connected. Uh, you know, from both sides of that. We're. When he signed the the one year to get in the camp, like what was what were your thoughts? Like, did you think that was something that was ca- uh, capable capable of being done? I talked to somebody the night before he signed, probably at nine ish, who is a good source for me, and was like, "Nah, he's not. No, well, I no chance. Like, see you Monday of week one." And wow. so I believe it when Saquon says he had a last-minute epiphany. I believe that that really happened because I went to bed, woke up at 8 a.m. the next morning to 36 text messages from my boss, my coworkers, other Giants writers, sources, and I had no – And I, like I appreciate you saying it. I think I was very plugged into the whole situation from start to finish, and I had no idea he was going to sh- sign that Monday. I think it was really that much of a surprise to everybody around him and everybody in this uh, facility, a pleasant surprise, that it got done that quickly. And that's why you're the Tony frontrunners, because you have been on top of that, and you got the Daniel Jones contract. What's your, what's your theory on what changed? Uh, I think he realized he really had nothing to gain. Like, uh, okay. the only thing he was going to gain was the only win he could have had was no franchise tag in 2024 and I think in the end he realized that was 
probably not worth causing a distraction for his teammates that he really believes the Giants could have a special year. Like I'm talking like go further in the playoffs than last year. And he didn't want to look back and say, you know what, if I had been there earlier, maybe I would have been better for the start of the season or maybe I wouldn't have got hurt or maybe we wouldn't have had the distractions in training camp that were my fault that got us off to a bad he didn't want to be blamed and look he's image conscious I guess might might be a good way to say it I mean he's admitted that he reads everything on Twitter and um, he is very aware of the perception of him and he didn't like the idea fans were not taking his side and I, I, I honestly think that the fans went too far. The fans turned on him. He's their best player, their best playmaker. Sorry, their best playmaker, because I'm sure Dexter and Andrew Thomas, you can make a case, are better players. He's the best playmaker, and he's been the face of the franchise. He's still the most popular jersey when I look out here. He's beloved in the locker room. He's done all the right things, and fans turned on him very quickly, and I, I don't think that sat well with him. Yeah, and that's even as unrightful, as, as undeserved that be, that's just the way it's going to go. Like, it's you're a fan of the team. You're like 80, 90% of fans who aren't like, you know, breathing it every single day on Twitter, reading every tweet. Like, it's just like, hey, I, I want this guy on my team. He's not showing up. Doesn't like he would have taken hit. But I actually, as much as he is focused on his image and making sure he's always putting himself out the right way, like you said, I truly do think it would have eaten him alive to not be out yeah, here. It's coming, not like, an act. He was there for five years. They make the playoffs. They're ready to roll. And just not being there. I really do think that would have eaten him alive. I totally agree. I mean, I know him pretty well. It's not an act. I know guys. I can't I won't say them, but I know guys who it's a phony act when they when you put the camera on. It's it's really not an, like he loves football. He loves his teammates. He loves to win. He's as competitive of a person. I played Connect 4 with him a couple years ago and he Who won? Was, he destroyed me, but it was as co- it was as it was as competitive. Uh, th- like that's just who he is, right? Yep. We know this. Like he was a terrible ping pong player, and he was embarrassed, and he made himself a pretty good ping pong player. Wow. Like he, that's just who he is. So I don't think it's an act. Yes, I do think it really would have. It's image conscious, but it's a true image, if that makes sense. I really think it would have eaten him alive to be in Arizona, which is where he would have been, mm-hmm. uh, watching, texting Daniel Jones or watching hot practice highlights, seeing Eric Gray or Matt Breida either struggle and know he could do better or look good and know, hey, that they might be gaining on my heels. So this conversation has kind of been closed out until the season's over, but this is the one thing I really haven't heard. And, I, and what is the most two-year cash flow that you heard that he was offered not guaranteed but just if he was on the team for two years that he would have gotten through that deal about 23 million dollars really see that uh, so so when the 13 million per year came out was that with like an alvin Kamara fake year at the end that got it up to that uh it was with escalators and um other things that weren't going to make it a real $13 million a year. He wasn't really going to get $39 million over three years. Yeah, I, I, my question was, like, does he get, like, 25, 26 in the first two years as long as he's on the team year two? Like, have it, you know, virtually guaranteed versus my, fully guaranteed? My understanding is he was going to get – it was a pretty straight deal in terms of per year where he was going to get uh, $23-ish million over the first two years and the third year – wasn't in super inflated. What we're talking, what twenty three, twenty three, 
we're talking, I guess, 15, 16 year three. Yeah. Which, uh, it's not like Alvin Kamara's $25 million in the last year to inflate his deal. Right. Uh, so it's not a total Alvin Kamara, but yeah, it was basically pay as you go. I want to ask you this, and we'll move off Saquon Barkley. Oh, boy. For this season, mm. you could only pick one. Who do you think would have a more positive impact on the Giants, Darren Waller or Saquon Barkley? Let's, and you can't really bring health into it because both have injuries. Yeah. Let's take out health. I would say it's really close. I would say Saquon Barkley because I do think what they're doing, you guys have seen it out here, I do think they're going to try to use him more as a passer, as a receiver. Uh, obviously, he's the he's the uh, their rusher. Darren Waller, can't, he's not going to be used as a blocker, so he's only going to be used as a passer. I think Darren Waller will easily be the second most impactful giant offensive player since Odell Beckham, but I still think Saquon Barkley's won. Yeah, I, I go Wall- – we just did an episode on Daniel – But I think it's close. Yeah, we just did an episode on Daniel Ballinger, and as successful and as important as he was to last year, he was 37th in tight end yards last year. He was 40th of 42 in yards per route run and average depth of target, where it's like you see Waller out here, man, and it's it's like something we really haven't seen in five years. And I just think I, – I really think with what the Giants want to do – They'll, he's going to do like make a real impact, and I think that's kind of been lost in the conversation of all this. Is that they they do have Darren Wall, they do have a more ba- balanced wide receiver group where you're not you're not calling on bums unless four or five gets uh, guys get injured. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. But those incentives that he has, I mean, they're, just, they're, they're essentially not going to. He's not going to get them. You know, they, they relied on him so much use, last year, and he didn't get them. Well, the thing is, it's, a, it's such a catch twenty two because right it, to get the incentives, he has to be used as a rusher to get to thirteen hundred and what is it fifty? Re- yeah, thirteen hundred fifty rushing yards. So he has to be used as a rusher, but he wants to be used as a receiver more mm-hmm. to prove that he's not Nick Chubb, that he's more Christian McCaffrey than he is Nick Chubb because he was so offended by the comps that the Giants gave him. Uh, so he wants to be used as a receiver more, but if he's used as a receiver more, then that's less rushes he's going to get. So, And that's just like it's just the whole running back conundrum. It's like if he has a bad season, he's not going to get franchise tagged or paid. But if he has a great season, then he's either going to get franchise yeah. tagged or somebody's going to say, sorry, you had a great season, but you had 300 touches, so that's a lot of wear and tear, so we can't pay you. And he could have a better season this year than he did last year. And I'm not volume-wise, I'm ignoring that. But you could look at it from a performance standpoint. He could be way more efficient last year than this year and not even get close to the incentive numbers. Correct. Which I think that's partially what – I think that's kind of like a problem with like you know how like fans evaluate then also how they evaluate contracts too. It's like we should be looking at efficiency numbers, not necessarily just solely volume numbers. And but really for a that. running back, it should be games played. That's really what – Yeah, the, games the, played, yards per carry, you know, yeah. even you know rushing yards over expected and stuff like that is stuff that's like widely ignored. At what point does Saquon, though, accept that comp? Because – he is closer to Chubb and Henry, and I think Henry is like maybe I think Henry's a Hall of Fame running back. Yeah, I think he's the best. At what point does he accept those comps and like like yeah? Obviously, he wants to be used more receiving, but he throughout his career has been a checkdown option, not a used down the field option. Obviously, there's plays here and there, but like they, I I I wonder if it's like what what point does he like? I am in the Chubb and Derrick Henry conversation, and I don't think that's either a bad thing either. I don't think it's a bad thing, but to answer your question, I don't think ever, ever, except most great athletes I've been around are never going to accept anything other than what they really want to believe. And I agree, and I agree with you on that, yeah. 
Like, I want Barkley going. Like, in the, even that Money Matters interview, he was like, I think I'm the best running back in the NFL. It's like, yeah, dude, like, you yeah. should think yeah. that because that's, like, what an athlete. <laughs> if you're an individual and you're an athlete, you want to be the best. Yeah, I mean, you should think that you're the best. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is not going to think he's the, the, the fifth, fourth fifth best. best quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, he would sure. think that if he was in New England and then Tampa Bay, he would win seven Super yeah. Bowls. Are oh. you the best Giants reporter? <laughs> I am not the best. Giants. Just say yes. Yeah. Say yes. Oh, say, yeah. say yes. I've had a good year. I've had a good year. <laughs> Contract negotiations coming up soon. Justin, I know you wanted to talk about Cordell Flock. Yeah, I want to. I want to revisit a Cordell Flock conversation that that we had because it was really interesting. It was like an interesting tidbit and nugget that it, you it, gave it us. It caught fire. I it, it did, and now it's you know I, this is not like a, oh I got this is not a gotcha question. Yeah. I want I want to make this clear. But so we've seen in the spring since you kind of came on the first time. You said there were people in the Giants building last year that thought of Cordell Flock. They wanted him in the slot, but then he thought of him as an outside guy. And, and he only that. played outside he, last year. You saw year. that last year. So it's not like you were wrong, but they come in the spring and then they come in camp and he's exclusively been taking like second and first team snaps in the slot. Has there been any kind of development in conversations with people that you've had or you're kind of reporting on his overall situation and maybe even like kind of like the slot corner spot just maybe in general? Uh, you saw I went back. So at the comment I made on this show last time in May or OTAs, um, I went back to somebody afterwards and I was like, well, he's playing a lot of slot. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I didn't say he wasn't going to play the slot. Oh, well. and it was like I said he looked – we were surprised that he looked so much more comfortable on the perimeter mm-hmm. than he did in the slot last Which year. also could be true. Yeah. You know, we'll, yeah, we'll exactly. yeah. And it's a uh, make or break. I mean, he hasn't really looked great at camp so far. And, I mean, for third-round picks, year two is so important. And, like uh, – I'm I'm at a point now where I think McLeod can like compete in it. Where going I, into camp, I thought no chance. Cordell Flott is the nickel corner. They'll do a little battle with Darnay, but Flott is that guy. And you know they're playing around with Trey Hawkins. I don't see that sticking. But it they're, nice they're, camp, they're not though. they're not just hand they're not just like all right here's here's the job go be the best at it. I think it would be Cordell over Darnay Holmes because yeah. Yeah. there is a aspect of our guy. From this front office, there is a aspect of Darnay Holmes' contract would save them $2.5 million if he's cut or if he takes some sort of Darius Slayton-esque pay cut. Um, so I think if it was just in a box, those two guys, I think it would be Cordell Flop. But I think you mentioned a guy they love is Nick McLeod, and he brings the bigger box safety to tackle. That's one thing Cordell told me he worked on. This was bulking up in mm-hmm. the offseason. Uh, to be a better tackler, so he wasn't just in on pass downs. He could be the every down nickel slot. Uh, Which is really I, important as a nickel defender in today's NFL to be a good run defender. Well, yeah. the ironic thing, to go back to Saquon, is last year was the most rushing carries in the NFL in like 20 years. Because Why? Even though we're devaluing the running back. Why? Well, because so many teams have gone to playing smaller safety hybrid linebackers yeah. that now team offenses are counterpunching with running. Yeah. So now you need to go back to the bigger nickel slot. So yeah. that could be McLeod. Um, and uh, like you mentioned, Trey Hawkins has had a good camp. I don't think he's at that point yet. But uh, he's just somebody you can feel a little bit good about, at least if, you know, week six you're injury threadbare and you're not, you know, running out there uh, – guys off the practice squad this has been one of my favorite questions to ask all offseason out of the wide receivers who do you see leaving leading them in receiving yards this season that's a great question right it, i'm gonna say i'm gonna say darius Slayton. thank you always yeah. thank you Slayton. i've been saying it it's like every year we talk about this guy and that guy in the yeah. end of the season who leads them yeah. in receiving Three. darius Slayton. So, and even out here we've seen him be like the number one target <laughs> correct i mean look i'm not it's not going to be magically 
turn around. He's not going to stop dropping passes. Like he still drops passes, but he also makes good, great catches. He is Daniel Jones's. I don't want to say security blanket because Shep is his security blanket, but he—that's who Dar- that's who Daniel Jones look. If all things being equal, he's going to drop back. He's going to look for him. Yeah. So especially you know deep down the field, maybe it's Waller now, but it's going to be Darius Slayton. Uh, you know, beyond ten yards, fifteen yards, it's going to be Darius yeah, Slayton. Even so. if other guys he, lead them in receptions, he has a Slayton's the one that's going to get the big plays for. Correct. You. Yes, uh, he's got a catch and run element. Um, I think that it's going to be Darius Slayton because it's always Darius Slayton. I looked it up. Only 13 guys have led their team in receiving yards three of the last four years. And when I say that, <laughs> it's, you know, the guys you – it's Justin Jefferson. It's um, – You need to tweet that. I did. Oh, okay. I missed it. Sorry, yeah, Ryan. No. It's uh, it's 13 guys, and it's all the guys you would expect. Devontae it's Adams. Cooper Cup, yeah. uh, Devontae Adams, three, and Darius Slayton and – there's one other guy that's similar to Darius Slayton who I'll have to tweet this again later because uh, there's one other guy who's similar to Slayton in terms of it's never like a thousand yards. It's always the 800 range. Uh, he does. He's not a pro bowler, but him and that he's certainly doesn't get the respect maybe that he deserves. That uh, maybe if they start throwing the ball, if there's more weapons, maybe it opens. Everybody's like, oh, Dar- Darren Waller's going to take away yards from Darius Slayton. No, maybe he opens up things for Darius Slayton. For sure. Trivia. Who was the one guy that wasn't, that led it in a one of the four years that Slayton did it? One of the four years that Slayton did So it was 20, it was not last year, it was the year before. It was 21. Mm-hmm. So it would have been, Shep was hurt. It would have been, oh, great question. Um, it's escaping me right now. Um, Do you want a hint? Yeah. He was, he was a pro bowler. He was a pro bowler? Yeah. That year. No, he wasn't. Oh, never mind. Not that You're year. wrong. Oh, I'm wrong. It was Kenny Galladay. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. It was Kenny Galladay. Yeah, yeah. Oh my Who God. was actually having a semi-productive year before, until You're Daniel right. Jones got no, hurt. I would have never, ever, ever, ever guessed Kenny Galladay. Hey, we're getting oh, a photo live mid, mid-interview. Brian Dunleavy. Appreciate it. I would have never got Kenny Gata. I would have said it's here. It's one of my favorite trivia I would have guessed questions. CJ Board before I guessed Kenny Gata. <laughs> um, let me ask one more before you get to okay. record prediction, Bobby. Um, what are some things in camp that you're writing about? Um, you're talking to people, you know, whatever. Maybe some, I don't want to say behind the scenes stuff. Maybe some things that people aren't, like we're all talking about the offense and Waller and stuff like that. Um, some under the radar stuff that you're keeping your eye on during this camp so far. I mean, you can't go to a Giants camp and not pay attention to the offensive line, right? I mean, it's ruined the last however many seasons uh, before last year. So now they have two open battles, and we've seen Tyree Phillips enter the mix. To me, that's not a great sign that the other three guys are, you know, Azudu uh, and Bredesen and Schmitz. If they were locking it down, two of these three guys are definitely going to start. They wouldn't be trying Tyree Phillips. So the there. two battles that you're referring to, what what are they exactly? Center and left guard. Okay, right? yeah. So now you have two two those two battles with four guys now in the mix because uh, we've seen Giants seasons wrecked by offensive lines before, and I'm not sold that anybody other than Andrew Thomas is going to be a above average player right yeah. now so certainly pay attention to the offensive line every day 
pads go on today as we're recording this. It'll be nice to see what uh, Rob Ashawn Robinson, if he gets out there at some point, and Nacho is uh, out there. Uh, be nice to see what they can add because the defensive line, you can't have Dexter Lawrence and uh, Leonard Williams play 85% of the snaps all season. Right, you just right. can't do it. Not sustainable. And then the safety battle is interesting, right? Like uh, I asked Dave's this the other day. There's no silver lining to what happened to Xavier McKinney. But if there was a silver lining, you got to see Pinnock and Belton a lot mm-hmm. last year. So maybe that's why they didn't spend any money, really, other than Bobby McCain on uh, safety. So I'm very interested to see, you know, position battles. In a nutshell, what am I watching? Position battles. Yeah. All right, so not the last question. Oh, and Ooh. which receiver gets cut? That That yeah. is, uh, I mean, I, I, if you asked me coming in, I would have said Crowder and Beasley are on the outside. But you could tell already that Beasley's a player. So, yeah. We're recording this Right before you go and talk to Dable, can you ask him a Chris Meyer question? What would the question about Chris? Be just like what's his? Just, it could be even like what? Do you, what do you see Chris Meyer? How, how do you think Chris Meyer's camp's gone so far? <laughs> I will if there's an opportunity to squeeze one in. I will. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's an ob- I, I'm not going to jump over somebody. I'm not going to jump over Jordan or Duggan's. Uh, you know. Uh, That'd be funnier if you did. Question, but I if yeah. there's time here at the end, I will. I'll then mow you twenty bucks if you do interrupt somebody to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> if I step over Jordan asking about <laughs> Daniel Jones's development, to be like, yeah. what have you seen out of Myrick? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Working on a story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is your record prediction? What is your record prediction for the 2023 New York Giants? All right, you're gonna make me make some enemies here. I think they're seven and ten. Seven and ten. Wow, that's I, the low. We've done three so far. That's that's the low end. What else have you had? We had Jordan was eight nine. Arch Stapleton was ten and seven. Okay. Um, I uh, no, Saquon. I'm I mean, always he, he wins games for them. What's the deal there? Correct. Here's the thing, right? The last, I think I've been on the been around this team six years. The last three years, I've had the low. I keep track on my phone actually of everybody's written prediction, like published prediction. Yeah. So you can't say. They're going to be ten, and then you know, put in the paper, and then try to tell me you're going to be five. No, what you put in the paper is what you're mm-hmm. st- what you're held to. You don't get to be an optimist for everybody else and a pessimist beyond the scenes. So uh, I keep track of it every year. In the last three years, I've had the lowest prediction. So uh, I guess I'm the pessimist on the beat. I picked them to win four games last year. So uh, take my seven with a grain of salt. All right. Well, that's your uh, Tony Award front runner, uh, Ryan Dunleavy of New York Post. Thank you for uh, joining us in the van. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Shula, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, thank you to Ryan Dunlavey for coming on the show. And before we wrap things up, I want to talk about the DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code WORLD. Talking Giants versus World. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code WORLD only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. 
All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for gambling prom. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific gambling responsibility resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game per game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus lay requirement for under percent boost eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms i hope the government can work something out with gambling so we don't have to read those disclaimers every single episode fuck the government whoa um we're canceling the watch party yeah the government canceled our watch party they did no it's so the playoff ones were the first time we ever did watch parties and they sold out within a day yeah like 350 tickets uh, people were trying to get tickets that couldn't. So it was like, with FanFest being ruined, we were like, oh, okay, let's do a, a watch party. Let's try. And uh, we did, We just... Didn't sell enough tickets. Didn't sell enough tickets to make it happen, which I get, because when you think about it all in all, it's probably... Preseason Friday night It's pre- in the city. You keep saying Friday night. It's on a Saturday night. It is? Yes. Oh, shit. I think. No, I'm pretty sure it's Friday. The 11th? Let me look. Oh, you are right. It's I am. The, right. I'm the wrong one. Yeah, every every preseason game that we have is on a Friday. No, that's not true. Eleventh, eighteenth, and twenty six. Twenty six. Okay, then two. We have at, one on a two, Saturday. Then two out of three. Uh, so it's just like it probably would cost just as much just to go to a preseason home game. Yeah. and it's like you said, it's a Friday night. Live and learn, but you better make it up. We're yeah, whatever, so, whatever camp. We're having two watch parties during the regular season. Yeah, those won't be canceled. So one against the Bills. One against the Bills and one against the Raiders. Those are the two watch parties that we'll be having during the regular season. You got to make up for it and got to show up to that. Yeah. So uh, if you if you bought the tickets, you will get your money refunded. Um. So all right. Any anything else? I mean, we will full be, pads. Last uh, last two practices uh, in in MetLife. We full, have pads. full pads on both of them. So there'll be a lot of O line D line talk. Uh, and then we uh, we ship off to Detroit. So really excited to get there and see the Giants compete against other players. So we appreciate you guys. Really do thank you. Training camp has been a lot of fun. And it's because you guys have been supporting us. So we'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.